You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, my God. That's not good. Hang on, let me make sure that's not on my end. <laughs> hey everybody, we are back on the bench number two in our one-on-one interview series. You guys loved you love session one. Here's session two. Let's hope I don't screw it up. I don't think I will, because we have a very honored and distinguished guests, ESPN zone, college football analyst, college football writer, college football savant, uh, analytics expert, ACC expert, David Hale. David, I am damn excited to talk to you, my friend. How you doing? This is setting an obscenely high bar that there is no chance I'm going to live up to, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I can't spell savant, but I will I will happily be called that. Yes. Exactly. Well, you pronounced it like a French dignitary. So good for you, my friend. <laughs> I'm updating my business cards as we speak. Yeah, I, I really and it, it, it's been cool. This interview series, we're only two in, but I've really like enjoyed, you know, the first conversation. And I'm really excited to talk to you because I enjoy the stuff that you do. Um, for ESPN, there's a, there's a huge focus on the Atlantic coast conference. I like the way that you, you delve into the data analytically. And one thing that I think is a, that I really wanted to like chew into with you right now is it's silly season when it comes to conference realignment, UCLA, USC have joined the big 10, the internet's blown up swim fan websites have been, of course they are the, they are the go-to for college football uh, yeah. realignment news. Where I get most of my news. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to trust like water sports for your CFB realignment, I'm a big jet ski guy. The jet ski accounts are way I, more trustworthy. I, I was just going to say, if you can't trust a guy on a jet ski, who can you trust? That is, they, they have put forth the time and effort to get a jet ski. Of course they're doing their research. No one just goes out and buys a jet ski all willy nilly. Those are research oriented people. Absolutely. And the maintenance to keep it running conscientious as well. Once again, you and I kindred spirits, but jet skis aside, I mean, what the big thing in this is can Florida state specifically and all the other ACC schools get out of the ACC grant of rights. David, you had a really, really good Twitter thread that I, I encourage all of you guys that are listening. It was on July 11th that basically like dispelled a lot of this stuff. But David, just for the uninitiated, what is the grant of rights and why is it such a hindrance to Florida State doing what they haven't said it, but they want out of the ACC. They want right. money. Why is it such a hindrance? What is it? So um, basically, here's the the very dumbed down legal version of this. Thank God. It is a, doc- <laughs> it, is a <laughs> it is a document that effectively signs over the rights, their media rights to the ACC for a term of, in this case, through 2036. What does that mean? That means that the ACC controls the ability to broadcast home games for each of these teams through 2036. So let's say uh, Florida State wanted to leave and go to the SEC. Okay. The problems that they're going to run into there are that, one, there is an exit fee to leave the league, which is three times annual revenue, which for 
you know, shorthand math is about $120 million. That is money Florida State does not have. Correct. Then, then there is the media rights factor of the grant of rights. Now, there was a time back in the last rounds of realignment in the, you know, a decade plus ago, where these all were kind of negotiable things. It was how much are we going to have to pay, right? And so I think a lot of people have looked at this in terms of like, well, what's the dollar figure to buy out the grant of rights? Let's just follow that thread and assume that that is a thing that could be done. Their TV revenue from the ACC right now is roughly in the neighborhood of about $28 million a year in TV distribution money. Now, multiply that by what is 14 years out on this. So 28 times 14, that would be your bare minimum starting figure of saying, how do we get out of this? So we're looking at, to get out of the league, probably close to a half a billion dollars total. Oh um, my God. <laughs> assuming, and that is assuming you could buy your way out. Now, I don't know that you could actually do that. And Texas and Oklahoma are the perfect example of this. So we all know they're already going to the SEC. That right. was decided last year in 2021. Their deal, their grant of rights with the Big 12 doesn't end until 2025. Everyone kind of assumed, well, we'll figure something out. They'll get out early. This is an awkward situation. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. That ain't happening. They're going to be stuck there until 2025 because um, it's about more than money. Effectively, the ACC owns the rights to, to broadcast these games. So Florida State goes to the SEC. Okay, now Florida State's playing Georgia and Tallahassee. That game either has to be broadcast on the ACC network or not broadcast at all. So they own the rights to broadcasting these games. There is no get around here. And because Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina leaving the ACC would be an existential crisis for the league, there's effectively no incentive to find some sort of bargaining middle ground right now. The, the ACC does not want these teams to leave. They're not going to open up the door and provide an avenue for them to do that. So it's expensive. It's possibly, <laughs> this is going to send up, it's possibly impossible. Uh, and, um, and, I, you know, and, and then the, other, you know, the flip side of this is, is looking at it just strictly from a what makes sense kind of argument. Why would the SEC or the Big Ten want a team that is that may not have media rights for a while, right? The whole point of going out and getting these teams is to make more money. And if you can't make more money off of distributing their games, what's the point? So if you don't even have an offer, you're certainly not leaving. So there's, there's this weird sort of uh, catch-22 in all of this. And I think eventually, and I'm sure we'll get to this, somebody will choose to challenge the grant of rights. The money will become big enough and the issues with not – with, with staying put will become problematic enough that somebody will say, we're going to go to court and challenge this and see if there's a way out of it. But no one's going to do that unless they know they have a home somewhere else. You're not going to just do it and hope it works out that the Big Ten will offer you something down the road. So it's a weird catch-22 of like you need, you know, you need to be asked out on the date but you also need to make sure you're allowed to go out on a date. Like those two things mm. are, are sort of mutually Gotta talk to mom. Here. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And I, the only thing I could think of when you said uh, Georgia versus Florida state on the ACC network is all that sweet, sweet money for alien tape and bell and how just tack <laughs> glasses for everybody. My God, what, I, what a great idea that network was. I'm going to shave underwater uh, right after this. I'm going out to the pool and have a shave. I've got a sick Humvee expedition after this. I have to shave in a pool for it.
Um, oh, that guy. Great stuff. Well, it, it's, it, it's interesting to me because it seems very onerous to get out of it. The money that you're talking about are astronomical numbers. I, I want to know, and we'll talk about the ways that we can talk about void. Like, are there ways to do the possibly impossible? But I would. I, my next question to you is you're very connected with the conference as a whole, athletic directors, departments, everything like this. How much urgency was injected into the ACC, specifically the top teams, when they saw that UCLA, that USC move, or have has been vacating the UFC, the ACC, something that all these top schools like Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Miami, is it something that they've been working on for years? Um, probably somewhere in between. My okay. my best guess, uh, based on the information that I've gotten and the folks that I've talked to, is that I think. Most schools prior to last year wanted to find a way to make things work in the ACC because there are advantages to being in the ACC, too. I mean, it isn't strictly just a, a, a terrible situation. I mean, you look at Clemson and they, until last year, had made the playoffs, what, five straight years. There's, there is, uh, you know, life in the ACC can be a bit more comfortable than life in the SEC. And that's not a bad thing. Um, if your your goal is to make a playoff and win a national championship, yeah, correct. But but the difference, of course, is is revenue, right? And so that was already a concern. And so there were these big conversations, like how do we help address this revenue gap? Uh, and then what happened was Texas and Oklahoma leave to go join the SEC, and that was, I think, in some ways, a far bigger domino than the one that just fell with the Pac-12, because. Oh, okay. Because I think that was everybody sort of had in the back of their minds, like, are we going to get to a super conference situation? And that was sort of this announcement that, like, yeah, it's going to happen. Like, it's not, it's not a what if, it's a when uh, situation now. And so, some of these programs definitively a year ago started looking into the grant of rights, having lawyers review it. Can we get out of this somehow? Because I think, for, first of all, for the first couple of weeks, everybody freaked the hell out. Yeah. And it's, what are we going to do? And so you got lawyers looking at it for that. And then, you know, the alliance for whatever that was worth, I think that was largely about, like, let's tap the brakes here before we do anything and, and sort of counter the Greg, uh, Greg Sankey power move. Um, and if, for what it's worth, that probably was effective for a year. Um, but it was sort of like, let's, let's One give year. us some time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's get some time get some time here to figure out like what are our options. And the fact that you've seen no one come up with real options in the year since then should really underscore this is what a problem the grant of rights is in terms of getting out of it. Like if there was a way out, I am I'm led to believe that someone would have mentioned that way out sometime in the last year because it wasn't USC and UCLA that, that created the panic. It was a year ago with Texas and Oklahoma. They have had a year to investigate this and are still no closer to actually doing anything. Yeah, it's not good. We're Little Wayne and the ACC's Birdman, and they own they own the Masters right now. They got us in a pretty nasty deal. Now, you keep talking about that revenue gap over and over. You said about $28 million a year, and obviously that's a number that's going to increase gradually, unfortunately, right. as the years go up. What kind of revenue gap is Florida State looking at from teams in the big 10, the new big 10 and the new sec, like how, how far of a disadvantage are we going to be years coming out? This is a great question. So thank you. Of, <laughs> uh, 
there's lots of ways that, that programs earn revenue. And a lot of it is ticket sales. A lot of it is multimedia. A lot There's other ways beyond just TV. But TV is the biggest chunk of that. And again, so the ACC's TV revenue for their last publicly known figure was somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 million. That number's already higher because ACC Network has full distribution within the conference footprint now with Comcast coming on late last year. So they're already in a better number. My guess is they're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of between 35 and 40 million per year within the next couple of years. Okay. The problem is, and, and and you can sort of believe this at your own risk, but the Big Ten is talking about $100 million a year. Oh, no. In oh, no, 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 no. Now, I have talked to several people who kind of are, you know, rubbing their chin at, at that and saying, is that, is that real? Is this really what we're talking about? But the fact of the matter is, is, is the TV landscape. And, and this is, this is frankly, as much a, a television and media conversation as it is a sports conversation. But the TV and media landscape is in sort of this weird gray area right now uh, because it's changing the same way that college football is. So when we went through realignment 10 years ago and the Big Ten is getting Maryland and Rutgers because they're excited to get into these major uh, big city hub footprints, that's about network distribution. And that's getting money from cable subscribers. Now we're sort of in this world where cable is starting to go away, but it hasn't completely gone away. and maybe the next round of TV in like the 2030s, we're going to see way more about like streaming and over the top and individual on demand type of stuff. But we're in this sort of middle zone right now. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is existing networks looking at live sports and saying, this is the one thing that people still watch on TV, like normal people used to watch TV a decade ago. And so we are willing to spend a lot of money on it. And frankly, there's a lot of bidders in the market right now. And we've added to that with places like Apple and Amazon and Netflix and how much do they want to be involved. But I think a lot of TV folks that I've talked to view college football as an undervalued commodity right now, big picture. And so is $100 million a year insane? I mean, I don't think it's insane. It's That might be a little bit of public negotiating for the Big Ten and setting out as high a number as they can think of. But it's not insane to think they might get there. So if that's the case, we might legitimately be talking about a 50 to $60 million a year gap in oh. revenue. And that is a huge problem. Um, and we can kind of get into some of the reasons that it is a problem. I, I will say, in the short term, the reason that, that it's not as big of a deal in the short term is uh, – and, and uh, Matt Brown, who does a, a newsletter called Extra Points, I highly recommend anybody who's into these types of conversations follow him and sign up for the newsletter because it's brilliant. But he wrote a good thing a couple of weeks ago about essentially saying for an athletics department, it is not about uh, how much money you have, but it's about how you spend that money. And so Ohio State, for example, makes a lot more money than Clemson does revenue-wise, but mm -hmm. Clemson spends more money on football than Ohio State does. Because as a percentage of their budget, Clemson has football way up here. Ohio State spends on a lot of things. This is, you know, to sort of go on a tangent, I think one of the complaints that Florida State folks had for a long time was that they wanted to be uh, a, a school that was successful in every sport and win director's cups. And frankly, that was not the path to winning uh, in football or in the ACC. But Whoopsie daisy. Yeah, yeah. I found that but one the, out. But, 
but the but the long story short of this is is, is you can make those that case now. Like, all right, you know what? We're just going to use more of our resources on the thing that, that generates the most resources. Great. But if you add another fifty or sixty million dollars a year to Ohio State's budget, they don't have to make hard choices. They can keep spending the exact same percentage on football that they are now, and they'll be spending ten to fifteen million dollars more a year on football than Clemson is, even if they don't adjust those percentages. And that's that becomes an, an insurmountable problem the more years you go into that. I agree. I, is there any, because with the teams that are, and at least for, and we'll talk about ways that maybe we can just void, void this Cthulhu of a document that is the ACC grant of rights. But with the NIL era, and we've seen some traditional, some programs right now that are recruiting at a very eye-opening level. I'm thinking of teams like Louisville, Texas A&M's class from last year, things that have just in this new wild west of NIL, things that aren't the norm for college football. Do you think that there's more creative ways for programs to spend money? Normally it's always been facilities, facilities, facilities. Now there's this other avenue. Is there a way from for some teams that aren't making as much money, in your opinion, to kind of take advantage of some um, some market inefficiencies right now? Yeah, there is. Uh, and I think you will see teams again. Louisville is a good example of, of a program that's that's doing that already to some extent. Um, I think there's two big questions. Um, number one, Florida State is a great example of a place that is already kind of behind on facilities. So they got to catch up on that front. And then you add in NIL to that. And so they're like sort of behind two eight balls right now. Uh, it's they're they're in a much you know Clemson's in a much more advantageous situation because they built out their facilities they're in a good place and I remember when when Oklahoma and Texas jumped last year I talked to uh, an ACC coach and I was like well, what does this mean what does the dollar value difference mean to you in a real hands on day to day way and he and his answer was uh, it's about players because you can only build so many buildings. Like once you've built the shiny new facility for football, like what else are you spending this money on? Right. That money is going to go to players sooner or later. Right now it is via this sort of end around of NIL for whatever that is. But there is going to come a day where we're just paying players directly. I mean, I think it is a matter of time. Again, another, another when, not another if. Well, what do you um, think? What, what do you think of that time frame? We talking five, we talking 10, 15, I just, think just a guesstimate. I think if it's up to the conferences, I think a conference is going to, first of all, I think we're going to see some step away from the NCAA, at least in terms of football in the very near future. And that's the first kind of domino that has to fall on that. If a conference makes this decision, I don't know, maybe late 2020s, but you look at like the, the Austin case in the Supreme court last year, when Kavanaugh basically said, like, you are all in violation of antitrust and any lawyer who wants to bring suit, like, it's not going to end well for the NCAA. So there's a decent <laughs> chance. Hint, hint. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a decent chance that the federal government creates a pay for play system. There's a decent chance that the courts create a pay for play system. And there's a not unreasonable chance that eventually the SEC or the Big Ten with all of this money coming in creates a pay for play system. It could come from any different avenue. And when that happens, um, having this extra pile of money that you have every year to go get players is a massive difference. Like right now, again, it's about building the buildings and having a stockpile for your NIL collective, but mostly about making sure that you've got the infrastructure. 
Well, when the infrastructure includes, as, as Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State said uh, recently, we need $13 million to essentially pay for the players that we have right now at Ohio State. Um, mm. That number is probably going to go up. And how many schools just have $13 million laying around that are not already in one of those two big time leagues? That's half our tech glasses money every year, David. What are we going to do? <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, the Oyster Bay uh, sponsorship is going to help, I assume. That'll pay for four or five. Hey, talk to us. Talk to us, by the way, Oyster Bay. Brendan's, Brendan's sucking down a nice Hooter Brown right now. Just mouthful of Hooters. I would say uh, we are prime for a sponsorship. Oyster, by the way, the last Oyster time- City, if we want the sponsor, probably. Oh, Oyster City. Yeah. But th- thanks. We're off to a great start for the sponsor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, job, I, it's not my job to get you sponsored. But <laughs> so the last time I was on, uh, I, I talked to Brendan was uh, we did a Twitter Spaces. And he was he was nude when he joined us. Oh, so I'm very I'm very happy to see he's wearing clothes right now. I don't care what he's drinking. I'm ha- I'm just happy he's he's clothed. Put those down. I do not need to see weird Central <laughs> Florida nipples right now. Well, listen. Yeah. Let's we, very good thirty thousand foot view. I want to focus it a little bit more down to Florida State. This grant of rights sucks, in my opinion, subjectively. I would almost say objectively at this point. And to me, I see from my untrained eye three ways that it can die legally uh, a mutiny of a large chunk of teams to where the conference dissolves i think the third thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is these tv networks if they get involved does fox just want to make a huge power play and take some properties from espn is espn tired of propping up the acc network i don't know david can you just talk about the all those three possibilities if there's more if one of those things i said is stupid and isn't really a possibility and then just kind of rank them from what's more and least probable yeah uh so everything you said is stupid but but that's not that's okay we can keep all right um, Good start <laughs> uh one thing i will preface this because the, the one of the things that i've heard a ton is well if they open up this tv deal again or they add a team or a couple of teams to try to like uh, expand the league. Well, that's going to void the grant of rights and we get to start over from scratch. No, doesn't happen. They're two separate documents. Any league, any team that is coming into the ACC would be required to sign the same grant of rights that every other 14 teams in this league have signed. So there is not a get out of jail free card uh, with expansion. Um, of the issue, of the options that you mentioned, I think the least likely is the TV networks forcing anybody's hand. And one of the reasons that I say that, and I'm in no position to like make any broad uh, uh, sweeping statements here because no one in any position of power at ESPN even knows who I am. So they should. uh, No, they should. It's it's for the best. (laughs) The only reason I still have a job here is because nobody's really paying attention. (laughs) So, uh, but ESPN is invested in the ACC. They've got a lot of money tied up in the ACC right now. And I don't think there is any real desire to see the league in a bad place. Now, are they more invested in the SEC? Of course they are. There's a lot more money there. But I don't think anybody at ESPN is saying like, well, screw the ACC. Let's just get rid of them. They're, they're bringing us down. They're not. And frankly, the ACC is making them money. Even as bad as things kind of are right now, it's still profitable for ESPN to be in business with the ACC. Um, the second most likely thing um, which I think is actually the more realistic option, uh, but probably the further off option, is that there is sort of a mutiny in which a bunch of teams leave. 
Now, the reason it's not happening now is because there aren't enough teams to leave that would have a home somewhere else. So you would need more. You would need a majority of the league to leave the league, which would effectively dissolve the the entity as a whole, thus dissolving the grant of rights, which would mean eight teams would need to choose to leave. There's just not a home for eight teams. There are not there even. And we can kind of get into some of this other stuff. I don't really want to, but like, there's the politics of like, if NC, if UNC goes somewhere, do they have to take NC State? If Virginia goes somewhere, do they have to take Virginia Tech? Even if you start adding all of that stuff in, I don't think there is any scenario in which the SEC and Big Ten currently want eight teams from the ACC. So that just isn't going to happen. But again, if if we get to a point where we're in pay for a pay for play environment, and these are conversations I was having with folks before realignment was really a big thing. Um, if we get to a point of pay for play, does everybody want to ante up to that table? I mean, clearly a Florida State or a Clemson or a Miami would. They say, we want to play with the big boys. We need to get to a, a high rollers table. We need a better bankroll and we're in. We're going to pay players. But does Wake Forest want to do that? Does Boston College want to do that? Does Virginia want to do that? Does Pittsburgh want to do that? I think these are great questions. Mm. I don't know. Some would because the money on the flip side might be good enough some might say our academics are way more important than all of this stuff and you have to remember like we're in this we're in college football all the time the decision makers are the school presidents and then are in a whole bunch of other things that maybe they don't care about this the same way uh and so i think if you got to a pay-for-play environment you could see a scenario in which three four five teams say i want to go play in the sec or the big 10 and three four five teams say I'm ready to go start something akin to the Ivy League that is going to remain amateur, that is going to uh, focus on academics the way that Hmm, college football was set up to do initially. Um, And then you have some sort of dissolution. But again, I, I don't think that's happening in like next year or the next year. That's happening in, I mean, probably the most liberal terms, five, six, seven years down the line. Um, Then your last option is somebody decides to go to court. I think that is clearly there is not a winning formula there right now to go to court with this. But I do think, um, you know, again, as we start talking about the money differences, the revenue differences, it becomes if you're Clemson and you're trying to win at the highest level, if you're Florida State and you're trying to win at the highest level, those revenue differences become an existential threat. And at some point you say, well, it's going to cost us a whole bunch to leave the league or it's going to cost us any opportunity to win to stay in the league. We've got to do something. So eventually somebody goes to court. Now, whether or not they can win that court case is, I don't know. I'm not a smart enough person to to answer that. But I think that's probably, if you're looking at like, what's the one that's most likely to happen the soonest, that's probably it. And that's interesting because when this news broke, it was the general kind of consensus across the internet that now things are going to start happening fast. From unfortunate guys, I'm so sorry for listening to your car. Don't veer off the road. I'm talking to David. It sounds like things are going to happen slow, if at all. I guess if I had to talk to you, David, what what's more likely that Florida State is playing in the SEC or the Big Ten in four or five years, or Florida State? is part of a revamped ACC with more teams, um, maybe some changes as far as the revenue distribution. Uh, what, what do you think is more likely? Yeah, the latter is probably the most likely scenario. And, and it's oh. interesting. I, I know, I know, I know. Settle down, settle down. Uh, I, think, uh, I think there is 
um, you know, if you look at where the SEC and the Big Ten are right now, and, and everyone that I've talked to within those leagues says, like, they're good where they are right now. And I think they're certainly good where they are until Notre Dame makes some sort of a firm decision one way or the other. So I don't think there's a lot of incentive for those leagues to go out and get somebody, a Florida State or a Clemson or anybody like that right now. Um, I also think once the TV deals are settled for the Big Ten particularly, that sort of throws some ice water on the furnace too, and there's not a lot of need to go out and do these things immediately. There is a little bit of an incentive right now for the Pac-12 and the Big 12 because they are they've both been rated and they both have conference or they both have TV deals coming up soon and they both need to figure out what's next. And this is where the ACC, which I don't I don't think the ACC needs to be in like a big hurry to fix something that they really can't fix. Um, but there is sort of this we know that the ACC is not going to be one of the power two, but there is something to be said about being number three on that list. And if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 sort of join forces, is the ACC even number three or are they number that four? That was my now? question. Is there a danger yeah. where they could be I think, They could be four? I, We're not even at the I podium? I think there is. I think oh there is. God. And so um, I do think that the ACC has to be wary of that and be prepared to make a move that is not, you know, it's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, but it's better than bleeding out immediately. Uh, and that's so I, I think there is some of that now How lovely. Yeah, right. This is all being put out in very, you know, I do think, um, again, you mentioned, is there a way to, to uh, reconsider revenue distribution and giving more to the teams that are trying to compete more at football? I think that's a good question. And I know there's ADs pushing for it. Um, whether you can get enough people on board, I don't know. Um, there are ways to sort of sustain for the short term. But again, there is going to be a day, and that day might be in three years, five years, somewhere in that neighborhood, where if you're Clemson and you've been to the playoff and you've won national championships and you say that's the level of ball we want to be playing, the only answer is to find a way out of this. Barring Jim Phillips pulling a rabbit out of his hat and finding another $30 million a year under the couch cushions, there becomes a point in which the teams that want to play at the highest level have to figure something out. Um, and that's, I think, I don't know what the timeline on that is. I think there are potential for a few different inflection points. One is whenever they decide what the future of the playoffs is going to look like, I think that will inform Notre Dame's decision. That's an inflection point. Again, do we start paying players? That's a potential inflection point. When the next round of TV deals are up and we're, you know, closer to 2030, perhaps, and that grant of rights doesn't seem quite so onerous anymore, that's a potential inflection point. Um, or somebody's just going to rip the damn Band-Aid off and say, we'll go to court, we're going to hire better lawyers than you, and we're going to hope for the best. It, yeah, it's, 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 it really is a tough situation, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be excited about the news, but we're just being realistic, guys. Like we got to talk about the kind of situation Florida State's in. So with... All of that being said, the most likely scenario, Florida State is part of like a revamped ACC. I guess we got to talk about ways to alleviate the damage. Is there anything that that the ACC can do, Florida State, et cetera, to drastically raise that level of revenue per year within like the agreement? Is it the ACC adding teams? Is it subtracting some teams? Like what can there be anything done to materially affect that $28 million? 
with interest that FSU is going to get per year other than splitting up the pie different? Can we make the pie bigger? <clears throat> right. So uh, one, I think there is the, a possibility that you say like, look, man, you know, Wake Forest, Duke, I know you don't want to make less than Florida State and Clemson, but the fact of the matter is this league's going to fold if you don't go with this. And so we need unequal revenue distribution. And maybe that helps a little bit. I don't, it's, it's, it's not a fix all, but it's, it's marginal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe there's a way that you go out and you add a handful of teams to get into more media markets and expand sort of the footprint of the ACC network and you get more money from that. That's possible. Um, I would say this has been the single biggest issue for the ACC for a long time and it could make a difference is uh, Miami could be good and Florida State could be good and Virginia Tech could be good and Louisville could be good. If the good teams that have fan bases played championship level football on a yearly basis, it'd help out a whole lot. And then when you go to ESPN and you say like, look, man, we're dying over here and we need more money. Right now, I don't know that ESPN has any uh, reason to try to, like the league is not making a ton of money, but they're probably making about what they're worth given that Clemson has been the only team that has moved the needle uh, on the field in a long time. But if suddenly you've got genuine big time games happening on Saturday between FSU and Clemson and FSU and Miami and Miami and Virginia tech. And those teams are good, like at the peak of their goodness, good national brands. Again, we're talking about, we're having a different conversation. And so I think that to me just having success in these, having the teams that are supposed to be good on the field play good on the field would be a big step in the right direction that at least gives you some avenues to start renegotiating things. All I can see when you're talking is that Starship Troopers meme of I'm doing my part. Well, listen, Mike Norvell, <laughs> rewatch that Paul Verhoeven classic again, because it's time for everybody to start doing their part at the top, not just Wuhan Dabo. Well, uh, David, I'm going to put you because uh, uh, this is interesting. I probably actually spent more time on this than I planned. I planned on getting into some positional rankings for like Florida State, some more individual team stuff. I'm actually going to save that. I would like to have a further conversation with you. I know yeah. you might you might have to talk to me again. That sucks. I apologize. But I have uh, I'll get more have, beer for that one. That as well. You should. <laughs> that sounds like somebody's been interviewed by Trey Rowland before. David, I have a I have a scenario for you. A little role play, David Hale. Michael Alford has been abducted by aliens, hopefully not probed. Hopefully it was a soft abduction, but he's gone. He's out of the picture. Still alive. He's a great guy. <laughs> David Hale gets tapped on the shoulder. You are now the athletic director for Florida State University. Oh, Jesus. How do you attack the situation that you're in right now? A very, very onerous situation, much like Rico faced against the bugs on Planet P. What do we, <laughs> what do, we do, David? You're the athletics director. How do you attack this? You know, look, I genuinely think like what Alfred's been doing is is good. This is they're they're headed in a much better direction. But this was digging out of a very deep hole. I never actually understood that analogy. You don't dig out of a hole. Like stop digging. That's how you get out of the hole. But that's that's neither here nor there. You need like a ladder to be thrown down into the hole. You don't now we're talking. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so I'd, I'd get a ladder. I'd go out and invest in the ladder. Uh, <laughs> Werner Ladders. Uh, they could be one of your sponsors since I've already screwed up the beer sponsor. 
That's um, okay. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they advertise. I'm sure there's a Bell and Howell tack ladder or something like that. <laughs> tack ladder. Know. It fits in your pocket, but it expands long enough for FSU to, to get out of a hole. Uh, <laughs> I, look, I mean, I think there's been genuine progress here financially much like definitively that's true like alford has really I mean, there was just a culture that needed to change and mm-hmm. and that culture beyond just like in the building the the culture with seminal boosters had to change the culture of the the booster community writ large had to change the decision making process the relationships had to change alford has done a very good job of moving that ball forward and even at times when it means like some people that weren't on board the train had to go and that's fine too that, you know, but the the point is get everybody moving in the same direction. And I think there is that there's the question of whether Mike Norvell is the right guy to win football games. What do you think about that? Just, just quick. Cause that's a whole nother conversation in itself. I mean, what do you think? I mean, you got to prognosticate a little bit, you know, the type of season that Mike's got to have to secure that. And I have come away thinking he's probably done as good a job with, what he was dealt as he could have. I mean, that first season was just an impossible situation with COVID and all the stuff that he inherited from Taggart. The second season saw real progress. And I mean, not to bring it up, but you take the Jacksonville state game and flip that the other way. And they're playing in a bowl game last year. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> I, I mean, that's sort of the, both the case for and the case against him at this yes, point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but you know, I think there was genuine progress and he's done a really good job in the transfer portal. Again, you mentioned the position rankings and I went through and looked at them and I, I don't know that there's like this one area that you say, well, like, damn, Florida State's going to be so good here. It's not like they've got like the Clemson defensive line or NC State's linebacking crew, but they're pretty good everywhere. There's not like an area that you also say like, man, this is a trash unit. They had five or six of those areas when Mike Norvell got here. You know, like the receivers were terrible. The O-line was terrible. The linebackers were terrible. Like they're not in that that position anymore. So I think you have to look more at the trend line than the outcome. And, but I also know Florida state fans are not, I mean, they've been in this muck for way too long and they're ready to get out. You're telling us, man, we've been in it. I mean, like is six and six or seven and five, the thing that is going to have everybody feeling better about the future. If that's what the outcome of 2022 is, I I don't know. And, And this is the delicate balance. I think you have to have, at Florida State, because you you don't want to erase the blackboard and start from scratch again, because progress, excuse me, has absolutely been made. On the other hand, like the definition of success is different at a place like Florida State than it is most other places. And this fan base is desperate for some real friggin' success. Not the, well, we made a bowl game, or not the, even going back to like, well, we we beat Michigan without Julius Peppers or, or what is that? Julius Peppers. Anyway, we, we beat Michigan, but we also got curb stomped by Lamar Jackson and, uh, and Jabril and Peppers, dude. They yeah, only said Jabril it 800 Peppers, times. Yeah. You're good, right. man. Um, I, I told you I've been drinking. Anyway, my point being that like, you know, you've got like, there has to, the, the bar is high. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so like, I feel like there's a lot of progress, but that bar still feels like a long way away. And so I think you've got to really evaluate like what gets us there. I, I am pro Mike Norvell. I think okay. he can, I think he can get you there, but you know, the other, the weird thing about, I think what we've seen 
in realignment and some of the coaching hires over the last year plus is like places swinging for the fences, man. Like it's, you start like dream big and then go make it happen. And some places are doing that, you know? So USC goes out and gets Lincoln Riley. I mean, USC is probably a good sort of comparison point for FSU in that like they've way underperformed. They screwed themselves up a good bit with some bad coaching hires, but the expectations there are still sky high and somebody needs to do it. Well, they just went out and hit a home run on their hire. Is, does that start putting some pressure on a place like Florida State to do the same thing? So I don't know. Again, I'm sort of uh, in the in the camp of be patient. I think things are going in the right direction. But I I totally sympathize with any fans that are like, yeah, well, I was ready for a uh, Orange Bowl five years ago. Like, make it happen. Yeah, well, so you act, A.D. David Hale acts in much the same way, if not the exact same way as alien abducted former A.D. Michael Alford. David, you're the AD. I mean, you're 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 feeling good about Mike as much as you can, unless it's just a dog of a season. But what are you doing right now? Are you calling other athletic directors for other universities? Are you getting lawyers in tow? Like, what what are you doing? Are you doing uh, everything? I, mean, I think you absolutely have to be doing everything. I mean, I, I look. I think, um, and this here's the other thing too. Florida State, from a, an administration standpoint, uh, has not had a really effective. AD in a long time. Nope. Uh, and I think having somebody who sees the future and is preparing for it, FSU has been so reactive for so long and not even reactive, but like five years after the fact reactive, right? Like these facilities should have been built the day after that national championship in 2013. Instead, we're just talking about breaking ground on them now. Um, I think you need to be thinking about where are revenue streams in the future? What are we doing with multimedia rights? You look at some of the stuff like Clemson and Notre Dame are doing with their own sort of uh, web networks and like engaging in your fan base more as individual customers as opposed to a fan base. Like these are big things that like, um, and I, I don't want to get in the weeds here because it's, it's pretty boring unless you're really into it. But like, these are the things that the frontline programs are thinking about now. It's not like, how do I how do I win today? It's how do I make sure that I'm maximizing my revenue opportunities five, ten years down the road and being first to doing it. Florida State ain't been trying to be first in in that kind of stuff, maybe ever. Uh, and for a long time, that was sort of the quaint thing about Florida State is they were Bobby Bowden and the down home, we're all a family here program. Folksy, very folksy. It, yeah, they were folksy. You got to run it like a, a damn Fortune 500 business right now. And I do think this is one of the areas where Michael Offord has made some progress. But to me, that's everything. That is, if you're not going to get all the money you need from the ACC, you leave absolutely no stern stone unturned trying to find some more pennies to add to those coffers from every other avenue you can find. Well, it's funny for a beer drenched conversation. This was actually pretty sobering. However, <laughs> I am a hundred percent glad, David, that you came on and you gave the truth. Like, listen, guys, this is what Florida State is facing. These are the things. There's going to have to be some cooperation, some collusion, or honestly, college football has changed so much. Even think from like three years ago, this conversation could be a totally moot, null and void, yeah. depending on federal issues, depending on conference discipline, like playoff expansion. What does Notre Dame do? There's a whole bunch of stuff. So don't for the, for the way it is now, the situation, it doesn't look great. It looks like Florida state's stuck in neutral a little bit. However, Based on what David said and what you guys know, we've got a really good guy at the helm with Michael Alford, and we've got a guy who's got potential at the football helm with Mike Norvell. It just it all remains to be seen at this point. However, what does not remain to be seen? 
David, you were a fantastic guest, man. This was, I thought it was great, in my opinion. That's a, who knows yeah, how much that's, that's all that worth. matters. I was yeah. listening to anybody else. That's oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I I had I, I thought this was a very substantive conversation on a topic that unfortunately is spoken about broadly, but there's not enough people that are intelligent enough to kind of like get, inject what's really happening into this conversation. It's wild speculation. It's, it's, it's crazy time. It's silly. Season. I, I should point out, I'm not intelligent enough for this uh, either, but I've just, I've, I've cordoned off a bunch of brain cells to learn about this stuff. And, and then I forgot math. I, I don't know how to drive anymore, but I, I know all of this stuff. Okay. Modest mouse. I disagree. I think you did a great job. Well, listen, another episode of the on the bench one-on-one interview series in the books david thank you so much for your time i would love to actually talk with you again if you weren't just totally visibly disgusted by the tone and tone of this conversation <laughs> i had a blast okay. i would love to speak with you again if that's not a problem i would love to do it i just can we not have brendan there next time uh, he's like up here in this in the corner like he's just kind of freaking me out yeah i know just like yeah he never shut up did he jesus yeah. brendan maybe next time keep your mouth shut a little bit more but somebody who's not gonna he's like uh shut. he's like he's like one of those old guys on the muppets that sits up in the in the balcony and just lords over everyone we're just trying to have fun down here brendan stop making it so weird at least they, they said oyster like, bay <laughs> yeah those guys are the muppets are way better than brendan um anyway for david Hill from espn from muppet heckler brendan sinone i am trey Rowland. thank you very much for another episode of on the bench we're going to keep doing this series stay tuned we got a lot of exciting stuff going on at Knowles 24 7 so if you if you haven't subscribed please subscribe best info on the entire web Hit the podcast hit the apple give us five stars tell your friends tell your enemies tell your frenemies we don't care on the bench and Knowles 24-7 are doing big things, and it's all because of you guys, the community, and the great guests, contributors, and writers that we have, excluding myself. Love you guys. Keep chopping. See you later.